welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It was Trump's biggest showdown yet at the Supreme Court in a case that could redefine presidential powers. More than four months after letting Trump's travel ban take full effect, the justices heard arguments this morning about a policy that opponents contend unconstitutionally singles out Muslims while doing little to prevent terrorism. Here's Justice Elena Kagan. In the context of this virulent anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. what emerges is a proclamation that says uh, uh, no one shall enter from Israel. Right. Do you say Mandel puts an end to judicial review of that uh, set of facts? That was Justice Elena Kagan. And my guest is Kevin Johnson, professor at UC Davis School of Law. Kevin, tell us the constitutional question the justices will decide. Well, there's two questions before the Supreme Court. And one of them is whether the, the third version of the travel ban violates the Establishment Clause of the Constitution and unlawfully discriminates against um, non-citizens of a particular religion, Muslims in this instance. The second question is whether uh, the travel ban violates the Immigration Nationality Act by discriminating on the basis, basis of nationality or whether it's authorized by the Immigration Nationality Act uh, as, as a way of protecting national security. Uh, Those are basically the two issues before the court. Most observers say that the questioning appears to indicate that Trump is likely to win the case. Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Anthony Kennedy signaling their support, if you believe what the questions seem to indicate. What was their focus? I I think their, their focus was on national security and what can the president do to protect the national security of the United States. And when can immigration actions be taken by the president to ensure their national security? I, I do think it's important to note that it's hard to predict how the Supreme Court is going to rule from the oral arguments. Most people who heard the oral arguments in the Affordable Care Act case predicted that the Obama administration was going to be, be uh, a loser in that case. And, and, and as we all recall, the Affordable Care Act was upheld by the Supreme Court. So it's always hard to tell. Uh, and we, we, we get a sense from Je- the Chief Justice and from Justice Kennedy that they're worried about national security. get a sense from uh, Justice Gorsuch that he's worried about whether this case should belong in federal court at, at this point at all, time at all. But then also from Justice Kagan and, and from Justice Sotomayor, uh, you, you hear concerns about discrimination uh, in, in uh, immigration um, procedures like this. So, so I, I do think that uh, while there's some indication that uh, the, a majority of the court may side with uh, President Trump on this ver- third version of the travel ban, it's hard to predict and it's hazardous to predict. Kevin, how much does the court allowing the order to take effect while the case awaited Supreme Court review signal the result here? I think that it's um, in, in, in a deciding whether to stay uh, an injunction, uh, as the court was deciding in this instance, um, uh, is an indication that um, that they they were sympathetic to the administration's concerns. At the same time, uh, the oral argument 
And, you know, the briefing in the case is the first time the justices were able to get deep down in the, the, the legal weeds, uh, so to speak, uh, and, and look carefully at the order and evaluate its constitutionality and its uh, lawfulness under, under the Immigration Nationality Act. So I, I do think while there may be some indication from the granting of the stay and allowing the travel ban to go into effect that the court was uh, more sympathetic than it was to previous versions of the travel ban, it's, not, uh, uh, it's not a, certainly not a done deal. Now, there was some questioning by several of the justices and Justice Kennedy included about whether statements Trump made during the presidential campaign and tweets should be considered in evaluating the administration's ban. How do you feel Trump's campaign pledges and tweets should weigh in this argument? Well, this is uh, a very big issue in, in a, a case uh, in the Fourth Circuit that struck down uh, the travel ban on establishment clause grounds. It looked very carefully at Trump's tweets, uh, candidate Trump's statements, uh, and, and found that there was uh, indication that, that there was an effort um, um, or evidence that this was a discriminatory act toward Muslims. Uh, I, I think that when you're looking at uh, actions of government and trying to determine the, quote, intent of government, uh, you, you often have to look at all available sources of information. There's often not a smoking gun saying our intent is to discriminate. So usually courts look very broadly at circumstantial evidence of possible discriminatory animus, possible animosity toward, toward particular groups. Uh, in this instance, um, uh, you might d- debate how much uh, the, the tweets and the statements should be weighed, but there certainly was a lot of discussion during the campaign and during his presidency uh, about uh, the, the need for extreme vetting of Muslims, for example, uh, and a, a, a real concern that, that terrorists were, were being admitted uh, to the United States. So, so, so I think that um, the tweets, uh, the statements, they're probably one part of the overall record, uh, and this president is offered a very, um, very thorough record about his views on immigrants, um, Muslims, and others. What do you make in about 45 seconds here of Justice Kagan's hypothetical about a president who had made anti-Semitic remarks and whose administration found security reasons to ban travel from Israel? And she said, this is an out-of-the-box kind of president in my hypothetical. Yeah, I think that she's concerned, and, and this is a concern of a number of people, what do you do if, if there, in fact, is a discriminatory animus uh, directed at, at, at particular immigrants and they're punished because of their, their, their background, religion, uh, or race? race. And, and I think that question was designed to test what are the limits of the arguments being made with the president. Uh, should um, the courts simply defer to the president, whatever, whatever they say when it comes to national security, or should the courts look a little more carefully to determine whether there is a discriminatory intent behind the enforcement actions? Thanks so much, Kevin. That's Kevin Johnson, professor at UC Davis School of Law. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has decided against recusing himself from the investigation into President Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. According to a person familiar with the matter, Sessions will consider stepping back from specific questions tied to the probe. This contrasts with Sessions' recusal from the Russia investigation, a decision that has angered Trump. Joining me is William Banks, a professor at Syracuse University. Bill, Sessions was a top advisor to Trump's presidential campaign, and in March of 2017, he said, 
that he had decided to sh- he should steal, steer clear of any matters arising from the campaigns for president. So should he recuse himself from the Cohen investigation, which reportedly involved violations of federal campaign finance law? Well, it's a, it, you know we're we're taking this one day at a time, aren't we? So I I think the decision yesterday for uh, Mr. Sessions not to recuse himself in a blanket way from the Cohen investigation is certainly defensible, and it, and it might even be uh, very reasonable because indeed the the Cohen investigation is not part of the Mueller uh, probe. It's being handled by the Southern District of New York, an independent office uh, headed by a United States attorney who will head that examination. And, of course, the the uh, uh, potential charges against Cohen uh, have uh, a whole range of possible um, sources and outcomes, and, and they, by and large, may not be connected to President Trump or to the Russia investigation. And as as uh, Sessions or his office, in fact, said that if if and when those connections are uh, uh, revealed in the further investigation of Cohen, for example, the Stormy Daniels matter, then uh, Sessions could revisit the decision on whether or not to recuse, and he could re- recuse from particular pieces of that investigation. So the Southern District of New York, where the Cohen case is being prosecuted, is notoriously independent. It's sometimes called the Sovereign District. How much consultation with Maine Justice really goes on beyond the huge decisions like the search of an attorney's office? Yeah, probably not very much. And and we know that the, that the United States Attorney for the Southern District had, had also recused himself in this case. We don't know why. But his deputy has uh, taken over, and and uh, that deputy uh, Razami, I think is his name, will uh, will conduct the investigation very and much independent of Washington, as these uh, things tend to go all around the United States. Uh, uh, Washington can't very well supervise the the nuts and bolts or the nitty gritty of independent investigations in, in every uh, federal district. They'd never get any work done in Washington. Yeah, the the uh, Berman's deputy, Robert Kuzami, is the one who's handling That's the Cohen it, yes. investigation. Now, let's just talk a moment about um, the rumors that Trump might remove the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, and put someone else in. But let's talk about the fact that the office itself, the Southern District, already has evidence from the Cohen raid and the Russian investigation, and there are career prosecutors who can't easily be fired by Trump or anyone else. Or anyone else. That's the point. I I think the president would be very foolish to try to intervene. Uh, Indeed, Mr. Sessions can't intervene, uh, nor could Rosenstein in this case. Uh, those those uh, prosecutors in the Southern District, just like uh, every other district, are, are protected uh, to do the jobs as they were uh, employed to do. So I think we're going to have to let this uh, lead where it may. Uh, you know, I think we talked uh, once before uh, about the questions of, uh, of privilege here. There's a great um, a deal of material that has to be sorted through to decide what is fair game in the Cohen files uh, in his relationship with Mr. Trump. Uh, Much of it may be protected by attorney-client privilege. So that's, uh, you know, in terms of getting close to uh, uh, the Russia investigation, getting close to Trump, it's going to turn as much on uh, uh, client confidentiality issues as it does 
uh, who's looking over whose shoulder. I want to talk about the appearance of impropriety because Sessions is under pressure from Trump for accusing himself from the Mueller investigation. And five Republican House members asked him in a letter that was released yesterday why he left it up to Rosenstein to decide whether or not to raid Cohen's office. So is there an appearance here of impropriety that Sessions is recusing himself for fear of ire from the president or Republicans? No, you know, I I think these decisions are are, uh, appropriate in the abstract and appropriate so so far as we know about the facts of any given case. Uh, Sessions is a is a lawyer. He knows about his professional responsibilities, and he was taking the cautious approach here not to uh, appear to be improper or, or to act in any way that uh, was improper. And, and I think the decision not to recuse, at least at this juncture in the Cohen case, uh, follows the same set of principles. You know, if something comes along that gets in the way uh, or that shows the connection to uh, to Trump and Russia, then I, I suspect Mr. Sessions would once again deliberate whether to recuse. In just about 30 seconds, will he get updates, automatic updates on this investigation? He will, because, uh, you know, that's that's part of the supervisory uh, responsibility of the attorney general. He has, of course, an enormous uh, range of duties and, and matters on his plate, and I, I wouldn't think he'd be paying particular attention to this. And as I said a moment ago, there's so much complexity involved in getting to what Mr. Cohen may have in his files as, as someone has to vet All right. uh, which things we'll, can be investigated. We'll have to leave it there, Bill. Thanks so much. As always, that's William Banks, professor at Syracuse University. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.